This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Got to say, I think most people last night were hoping Moana Pacifica could have got the job done over the Blues. I think even Blues fans were maybe thinking, hey, this might just be the wake-up this Blues team needs, because next week they do have the Crusaders, but... You know, Moana Pacifica, we want them so desperately to be competitive and they haven't been competitive this season for a whole lot of reasons. On the other hand, the Fiji and Drill, well, they're just building a fortress up there in Fiji. It is a very, very hard place to win. Blues getting the job done last week. Hurricanes couldn't get the job done. The Crusaders couldn't get the job done. Joining us on the program to discuss this and to provide some insight into both these uh, wonderful playing nations or these parts of the world which present just such wonderful talent, is Ken Laban. Ken, good afternoon. Welcome. Afternoon, Waddy. Nice to be on your show. Yeah, look, I mean, and I'll put this to Justin as well, but just how difficult is it to play in Fiji? Why is it that sides struggle up there so much? Well, I remember being at uh, Churchill Park in Latoka a few years ago when the high-flying Japanese um, team came as part of Pacific Nations competition and they had been absolutely dominant uh, throughout the series, stepped off the plane, stepped onto Churchill Park and they left with a 55-0 drubbing from, um, from the Fijian team that were, uh, that were on fire. Uh, so I guess at the end of the day, Mark doesn't illustrate how such a mental game sport can be and it can fluctuate with emotions, um, maybe, maybe not necessarily effort. But, you know, one would assume that, you know, the New Zealand and Australian-based teams with the more resources, uh, arguably better athletes, uh, been in the competition longer, uh, been in more bigger games and more bigger moments more often, um, and that all of those um, advantages would be would come to the fore, you know, when a heavyweight uh, like the Hurricanes, um, you know, and the Crusaders uh, and the Blues, of course, as you alluded to last night against minor pass speaker, um, come to town and uh, I think you know in what has been a, a largely predictable season in most parts Super Rugby I think the Fijian and Drua have been an absolute breath of, um, of fresh air along with the Chiefs uh, you know after the Crusaders have dominated for so long you know we've all asked the question every year for the last six years well who's it going to be um, who's going to be the big challenger when the big games come along and um, I think, you know, as far as uh, adding interest and adding a, added, added hype to the competition, we have a lot to be grateful to the Chiefs and for Fiji and Drua. Yeah, I certainly agree with that, um, particularly that analogy about the Fijians, Ken. Um, I certainly felt as a player that they were the most similar team that I ever encountered to the French. And I know that sounds bizarre, um, but because simply in their own environment, um, in their own atmosphere, if you allowed them to prosper, particularly early in the game, not only do they grow in stature, but equally so did the crowd. And the crowd get emotional and get in behind them. And if you allow them into the fight or to stay in the contest, um, it's, it's, it's always going to be a long day. The only way that you can get through a game against 
the, the likes of Fiji and Fiji or France and France is to take them out of the game early. And neither the Crusaders nor the Hurricanes did that. And you knew it was going to be uh, a long day. Um, and that's certainly how I felt as a player because then you bring in the conditions as well. Humid, hot, sticky ball, conditions you're not used to in New Zealand, um, which the Fijians are. Um, really good to have you on the show, mate, and good to hear your voice. Um, well, that was the Indrua. Um, obviously, uh, Moana Pacifica last night, um, cracking game of rugby, really. That would be the first uh, and foremost thing that I'd like to sort of say about it because uh, the conditions didn't look great. What what did you make of it um, in its context? Well, Marsha, you and I can go back three years to a conversation we had at a Sky meeting when the concept of Moana Pacifica was put on the table. Remember we had that commentators get together? We did. And um, we raised the question that day, well, what are we doing it for? And um, if we were going to be involved in a super rugby franchise, what would be the purpose of um, of getting involved in it? And I think you and I both agreed that if we didn't think we could win it, why would we, why would we do it? Um, yep. And I completely understand the cultural aspect of Moana Pacifica. Uh, we all know that uh, Pacifica's contribution to rugby in New Zealand and around the world has been special and that we need to continue to find ways to honour, recognise, all of those things. You know, we're, all, we're, we're all on board with that. Yeah. But at some point, um, when, does, uh, when does culture become performance and when does performance become you know, the realisation of potential? Um, and by whatever way you look at it in terms of their playing personnel, uh, their playing plan, um, or their tactics, they have been close, but they haven't been able to get the job done in, uh, in 2023. Um, and I think the crowds and the interest probably reflect that. Um, you know, so at some point, they're going to have to sit down and revisit the um, whole agenda around Moana Pacifica. And uh, if we are serious about wanting them to be, um, to be a big banger in the Super Rugby competition, then what's going to be required for that to happen? Uh, first and foremost, obviously, mate, is that you can't win games without the ball. Um, so, you know, are they getting an even share of, um, of big forwards at line-out time? Are they getting an even share of front rowers that can do the damage at scrum time? You know, have they got the sort of loose forwards that are capable of dominating at the same level in the contact zone as some of the other? You know, and my answer to all of those three questions is comprehensively, no, they're not. Um, so, you know, do we want to share? And you look by comparison, let's have a look at the Dolphins um, in the NRL, who are basically, what are they, nine games old, and nine weeks old, they've been, in the top mm. eight since, they've been in the top eight since round one, they've had an equal share along with everybody else um, to the player resources and to sponsorship, uh, and as a result, they've been able to put together a team because there's no barriers. Um, you know, and I remember making the observation at the time on um, on breakdown about a year ago, when um, my understanding was as soon as the franchises heard that the minor Pacifica licence had been uh, granted, they worked very quickly to snap up all their fringe players so they wouldn't sign for a minor Pacifica. So on the one hand, we say we support them, but on the other hand, you know, we hide our fringe players so they can't get at them. Classic example is um, Safa Oamua, um, Nepalalala, Ofatunga um, Fasi. Those three have been in and out of the starting lineups of the various franchises in the last couple of years. That's just three of them. Was how good would they have been starting every week from one place speaker? But you know, the rules as they were, or the rules of engagement, or whatever they they negotiated, didn't didn't allow that to happen. So when I say we need to sit down and revisit, you need to sit down and say, well, do we want them to be competitive, 
Or do we just want them to be in the competition? No, well, because, I, you know, yeah, Ken, Ken, I just sense from New Zealand rugby, it's probably the latter a little bit, and it's disappointing. Do we need to have a Moana Pacifica team within uh, the MPC? And I, the question I asked that is that part of the, the original, you know, there's been discussion whether or not we should have some sort of draft system. And the original plan with Moana Pacifica is, oh, we want to draw the talent from the islands. But you know and I know, grabbing kids straight or talented rugby players out of the islands and putting them in super rugby is just too big a step up. There needs to be that middle gap. So that's the first question for you. The second thing is, clearly the financial resource is not quite there. I mean, how do you, how, how are you going to hang on to a guy like Failangi playing at six or Joan, uh, uh, Jonah Mo, uh, Mal, uh, who's their seven? And then you take Levi Amua, who people are talking about being the All Blacks. You know it's only a matter of time. The, the bigger, more wealthier Super Rugby franchises are going to come after that guy or Japan's going to come after him or the Northern Hemisphere is going to come after him. And as long as that does continue, you're never going to have that nucleus. You're never going to have that experience. You're never going to be able to build that culture and tell that story to the next generation. It's exactly the issue, mate, isn't it? So you can either get the players with the resources or you don't. What we're looking at now is a one perspective that doesn't have the resources financially and doesn't have the playing personnel. So that's where they are. That's why they're where they are on uh, on the table. That's just you know. That's why I reference that conversation that Marcia and I had um, with Sky Crew a couple of years ago when we talked. Um, we talked exactly through the conversation that we're having now, and I think that if we want them to be, uh, if we want them to be competitive, well, then let's be fair income and uh, let's give them the opportunity to be that way. Uh, as far as the NPC, I would love to see a team called Apia, based on Apia, playing in the NPC, home and away. I'd love to see a team called Suva playing in Suva, uh, in the NPC, playing home and away. How good would that be for uh, you know for Auckland, Canterbury? You know, Wellington, Taranaki, Otago, etc., to uh, be able to play games in you know in New Zealand and play away games up in the Pacific um, as well. Bearing in mind that the, uh, the Fijian team that are two-time Olympic gold medals are all lo- Fijian locals, the Samoan team that sits fifth on the table in the HSBC World Series are all from the villages in Samoa and the Fiji and Drua um, side are all locals. So all we need is you know give the um, give them an opportunity and expose them to decent competition and um, and they'll lift the standards. I think that in reality, maybe Super Rugby was a bridge too far for Moana Pacifica, but um, NPC might be more achievable in terms of their ability to be competitive with local players. Really like that idea. I, I think it's a, a, only a problem trying to find the, the resources to be able to achieve that, but it's certainly, I think, a pathway to grow the strength to eventually have a side that's capable of winning a Super Rugby competition if they can grow in that regard, bring youngsters through rather than trying to find players that are not getting game time in other provinces or are at the end of their careers trying to formulate a team together. You're actually growing a team like every other franchise has been able to do. Start from scratch, it's kind of like a club rugby scene. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, really good, mate. And like like you said, the, the Andrew have been a revelation. They've been great for the comp. Um, we've just spoken about Moana Pacifica's uh, issues. Um, always good to get your thoughts, Ken, while we've got you online um, about the Hurricanes. Um, mate, That like I, I saw that result and thought that literally, it's not the end of the world, but... Close on catastrophic for them losing that game because what it's done to the ladder now and the pressure it's put them under, given in mind that they've got the Crusaders' very last game of the round robin. Uh, and, and the Chiefs, of, Chiefs and the Blues to come too. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's great, isn't it? Well, if we want the competition, Master Duties are battling, it's got to be uncertain. So a 3 um, drill can tip, can tip a couple of the big dogs up. I think that's great. Adds, adds interest, adds drama, uh, adds emotion. Um, and not that I want to keep using the NRL as an example, but, you know, they've got eight teams or something on second, uh, second equal or something. That's exactly what Super Rugby uh, needs. And if we've got the, the situation where anybody can beat anybody uh, on the day, that is a real potential for us to rejuvenate the competition, as well as finding a way to get the South African teams back. Just dropped out there, Ken. I think for a brief moment, uh, Justin. Can I can I just ask you this, and I'll get you to comment too, Ken. It was just a discussion I'm having, but we, we've sort of seen the Highlanders really struggle this year, and so five New Zealand franchises. It looks like we've got four strong ones, and can we say that perhaps with the Moana Pacifica team now being involved, it's almost a sixth New Zealand team, but some of those players would have been part of the wider say, Highlanders squad particularly, because I think they struggle the most. They have to draw players from from all around the country. And so with Moana's inclusion, has that also possibly come at the expense of the Highlanders? Justin? Yep. Yep, I do think so. Um, Look, everybody's asking where we need to go with Super Rugby, uh, and I certainly feel that we need to to cut back on the games um, so that they become more exclusive, uh, so that people only get to see a franchise once every second year, um, which makes them get their ass off the couch and get along to the game. Um, so it's not, you know, playing each other uh, every year, which has got huge regularity in it. Um, and equally, I think at the moment, because there's not enough depth, we need to dissipate um, a, a couple of teams. Australia need to lose a team at least, um, and it wouldn't hurt New Zealand to lose one either. How do you ever do that? given that they're all start-up franchises. You know, how do you ever um, sort of get to that point, apart from obviously, um, you know, picking on Moana Pacifica, which is a growth area. Um, it's so niggly and so hard to try and find the answer to it. But, yeah, you, you do see that, you know, the Highlanders just right at the start of the season, everybody, everybody said if they suffered the odd injury or two, they were in all sorts of trouble, like no other franchise, and that's proved to be so. And, yes, you're right. If you grabbed quite a few of those players, like imagine how much um, uh, Levi Almoa would be uh, to be partnered with Tom Uma, uh, Thomas Umanga Jensen in the centres for, for the Highlanders, and they could do with a couple of wingers too. Not not saying that the, the, the outside backs are doing a bad job down there, but they just need the depth. Um, yeah, look, I don't know what the answer is, Ken. Maybe you can help me out, but that's what I certainly feel that our, that our talent is spread too wide at the moment, both in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, well, it's always a debate when we expand the competition. Are there enough mm. decent players for the expansion teams to be competitive? You know, the Fiji and Dua have been such a uh, such a revelation because they've done it in large part out of local players from um, from Fiji, a huge home crowd, um, huge atmosphere, and you know, and as you alluded to earlier on, um, Justin, they always lift for those um, uh, for those big occasions. They, they normally lose the following week, but uh, nonetheless, they. Um, <laughs> Nonetheless, they can make some noise when they get the uh, when they get the opportunity to do that. Well, the reality for minor Pacific is they just don't have enough good players. You know, as I said before, they're not big enough in the lineout, they're not strong enough at scrum time, and they're not dominant enough at the breakdown. You know, so in order to do that, they need to get a fair share of quality players in some of those um, in some of those fringe players. And I guess the point um, we're kind of alluding to, you know, at what point are we, do we have the conversation about is minor Pacifica 
worth continuing, um, or should we should we stick with it for another two or three years and uh, and see if it comes right? But it certainly won't come right under the current regime and under the current rules of engagement. But it's got the potential to come right. It's got the potential to be exciting um, if they can get some quality players to help them turn it around. Ken, we're going to wrap it up here, but you know what the solution is, eh? Mighty Man Albert Grammar School. Got to invest more in mags, mate. All the Polynesian boys that have come out of Mighty Man Albert Grammar School over the years, mate. Endless, endless boys have played for somewhere out of the kingdom, mate. What do you suggest here, mate? We're going to run out Sonny Bill Williams at lock at 58 years old. Be rude not to, mate. Come on. Mags for life, Ken. You know that. You know that. Anyway, it wouldn't Mags be me for if... Life. I know that, brother. We wouldn't be me if I didn't bring that up. Hey, Ken, lovely to have you on the show, mate. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Max forever, brother. <laughs> yeah, beautiful man in a platonic way, Ken.